The major source of difficulty in our political work is that we are not just trying to fight oppression on one front or even two, but instead to address the whole range of oppressions. We do not have racial, sexual, heterosexual, or even class privilege to rely upon, nor do we even have the minimal access to resources and power that groups who possess any one of these types of privileges have. The psychological toll of being a black woman and the difficulties that it the difficulties this presents in reaching political consciousness and doing political work can never be underestimated. There is a very low value placed upon black women's psyches in a society, which is both racist and sexist. If black women were free, it would mean that everyone else would have to be free since our freedom would necessitate the destruction of all systems of oppression. Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in. Today on Black Culture, Black Thought, I am sitting down with my coworker Jody Johnson to discuss the drama, sorry, the drama that has been taking place within the Black activist community between D. Ray McKeeson and Sean King. Welcome, Jody. Welcome to the show. Hi, so thank here. you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yay. Yay! So today I opened the show with a quote from the Compahee River Collective's Black Feminist Statement because I really want to take this drama that's happening between Sean King and D. Ray McKeeson to use it as a starting point to talk about how the fuck did these two become the face of the Black Lives Matter no, movement? Oh, exactly. Because it makes no goddamn sense. Yeah, absolutely. This absolutely. movie was started by three black women. Yeah. And yet, not that many people know who they are. Exactly. And it's a problem. Mm-hmm. But first, I do want to kind of get into the drama that's happening between D-Ray and Sean King because I think it's an important thing to talk about. I know yeah. we're a little bit late on this. For real. Eventually, eventually. Yeah. <laughs> I will cover topics <laughs> as they happen. <laughs> Uh, but that's not my life. I live. Get it, get it, get it together. Get it together. You know, I'm, not, I'm not an odd time person. But you'll so. get it together eventually. eventually. Maybe, eventually maybe not. Eventually but if not, it's all, you know, it is what yeah. it is. It's my podcast. I can do what I want with it. Absolutely. I'm you trying know? to take ownership in that. You know, so. but also in terms of like talking about this is just like, you know, it's Instagram beef. It yes. kind of started from that. You it's know? so juvenile you know? like in some ways, but then in other ways, I think it speaks to a problem that yeah. happens within activist communities Absolutely, yeah. that gets overlooked. And Absolutely. I think, I think the trauma that activists can have yes. on each other mm-hmm. is not talked about. Let's get into the start of this okay, and how this really started. Let's, let's go. So Sean King uh-huh. himself has been the, I think like has been always receiving a lot of criticism yeah and it really started back when people didn't think he was really black yeah and um but that actually came from white nationalists that that whole kind of thought of him not being black Mm -hmm. from white nationalist milo something or the other oh yeah i don't know how to pronounce that last name milo's Um, like yana yana poopalus or something like that i like yana poopalus yana poopalus yeah emphasis on the poop okay i mean he was the you know, I'm originally from Massachusetts, you know, and he was the Grand Marshal of, Grand Master, Grand Duke, of the Straight Pride Parade. Oh, that's very interesting because he is a queer man. man. Yeah. So he's a queer guy. Mm-hmm. He comes out, he came out as gay. Yeah. So he was the Grand Marshal of a Straight Pride Parade. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think there's a lot of trauma within Milo. Yeah, yeah, a lot of that. I personally think he's just trolling. He's trolling. He's just trolling. Yeah. He very well might Yeah. Be. So he definitely <laughs> trolled Sean King for about real. this. For real. And so he de- like he said that Sean King, um, is he a really black? Mm-hmm. I think both of Sean King's parents are white. And mm-hmm. then he's like, his mom had an affair with something. But that's oh. kind of like where this drama began. Yeah. Um, from that, 
that was like the first of his criticisms, I think, or mm-hmm. feedback, or I don't know what the fuck you call that shit. For real. Um, so he was also fired from the Daily News for plagiarizing, mm-hmm. and black women mm-hmm. have come out and said that Sean King has plagiarized off of them and copied his work and didn't give credit. Okay. And I think that's actually a valid criticism. Yes. So I'm going to say what I think is valid criticism and what I think is not so valid criticism Mm -hmm. or criticism that's coming too soon because there's not enough evidence to support it. Mm -hmm. So therefore it's dangerous criticism because I think it's very dangerous to say some of these accusations that have been lobbied against him without actual evidence Mm -hmm. to support that. Okay. Because I think that there's one thing you could talk about somebody and there's another that's like, wait, this is illegal. <laughs> and, and they can go to jail. And where's the evidence at? Where's the evidence? Where's the evidence? So this is um libel. This is yeah, yeah. And slander. Exactly. That's where we're ready to have both at the same time. Both yeah. at the same time is a problem. It's a problem. Yeah. yeah. So back in January when a Black woman activist. Okay. Closer Brooks is the one who questioned Sean King about basically, hey, we saw this tweet from you like X amount of months ago or X amount of years ago mm-hmm. saying for you to donate to a campaign, but this campaign person is saying that they never received the money from mm-hmm. you. Um, Sean King is saying, I never actually did any fundraising for this person. Yeah. And then it started to come out that Sean King was basically stealing campaign money that he f- helped fundraise. And he got a lot of kids. So huh? He does got a lot of babies. He got a lot of babies. He's that old, too. He yeah. got a lot of babies. Yeah, he got a lot of babies. But um, was basically accusing him of stealing money from these fundraising efforts. Mm-hmm. Sean King pushes back, like, none of these fundraising. So the, all the fundraising happened, I think, on GoFundMe, mm-hmm. and none of them were actually in his name, mm-hmm. or the money was going into his accounts. Okay. He did, he... um gathered six people within the field of like activism or finances, lawyers, most of them are black, to kind of review his financials, reach out to like the 70 plus families that he helped fundraise for. Mm -hmm. And none of them have, nothing came back from their report saying that Sean King is doing any wrongdoing with this money. Okay. And he had a lot of family statements saying that Mm -hmm. Sean King helped raise the money without him. He would, we would not have been able to raise as much money as mm-hmm. we were able to. And mm-hmm. a lot of these families are people whose family members were killed from police brutality. I see. So that's kind of what happened with Sean King. Mm-hmm. D Ray gets bring, brought up into this because they already had some existing beef. They did not like each other. Yeah. Um, but then the night of the Diamond Ball, yeah. Rihanna's gala, which was highlighting Sean King and his groundbreaking work in activism, mm-hmm. that's a quote from <laughs> the Diamond Ball. <laughs> and I mean, I will say, before I continue, yeah, I did meet both Sean King and D. Ray McKeeson, uh-huh. and there was one person who I really liked, mm-hmm. another person who I really didn't like. Okay. The person I really liked was Sean King. Yeah. So, Sean King, I met him, um, and I did a post about this on the actual Black Culture, Black Thought mm-hmm. um, Instagram page, Yeah. where he, like, I stood in a line, and I think there was, like, maybe three or four people ahead of me. But it took me a damn long time to get to the front of that line mm-hmm. because John King, he was just talking to he every was single person. He was engaging. He was engaging, yeah. It was um, lovely. Yeah, it was lovely. Like, I met him. I told him, like, oh, I'm speaking at the event, too. And mm. he was like, 
what panel are you on? And, like, mm-hmm. you know, made it so, like, humble himself, yeah, totally. I felt like. Because like, I was on a panel talking about merging my activism with my career. Yeah. And he was like, that's what I'm trying to do. And just became very relatable. Relatable. So there's, like, a relatability with Sean King. I so I think I'm a little bit biased towards Sean King, and I just mm-hmm. want to point that out. Because my experience with D-Ray was the complete opposite. Oh, well, yeah. Um, um, so I met him at... I met him at an event posted by Blackout for Human Rights, mm-hmm. which is like an organization made up of actors, which I think matters. Yeah. <laughs> because I realize when you see D-Ray, yes. it's very close to who's famous. Well, yeah, like, you know, of, of course. Because, like, I mean, media, the media loves him. The yeah. media is what made him. And, and he's, he's a very much a media activist. And he's there when, where there's celebrities. Mm-hmm. You'll see D-Ray in his really dirty blue Patagonia yes. best. Because yeah, I've that, seen him in person. Dirty. And I was like... What's the point of this? You are not Cornell West. You will yes. never be Cornell West. Yes. And I think that's like, it's him trying to gather a look. Yeah. And I think that pretty much describes my experience with him. Yeah. So this event was extremely star-studded. Mm-hmm. And my cousin worked this event. And mm-hmm. I happened to just so sit next to, I got VIP tickets because I asked oh, my cousin. Hey. When you get the hook like, made eye contact with Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> I think we fell in love. I just want to smell his neck. <laughs> what is his oh, color? Looks like he smells very well. I gotta show you the picture we he have together. Like, we look like we could be a couple. Looks like if you smell. I think you did. I did. And people like when they took you the do picture. Look, it looks like if he smells like sandalwood. Sandalwood. Yes. Or like some like sort of. As I stroke my hair and like just <laughs> yes, yes, that's it. Anyway, Michael Bay Jordan smells like musk. So we've been drinking. Uh, this is gonna be an episode for guys. real. We've been drinking and it's been we a day. We got some whiskey ginger. Um, we're doing this after work after with our students work. who are a lot sometimes. But no, so this event was extremely star-studded. Yeah. Like I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael B. Jordan was there. Mm-hmm. Lin-Manuel Miranda was there, but I think was like the premiere of Hamilton was yeah. like premiering. And I was yeah. like sitting behind him. Yeah. I sat next to Harry Belafonte's family. Oh, there we go. So this, I mean like... And this is not to toot my own horn. I did not belong in that section. I learned really quickly. I was like, oh, I'm sitting here. I think I'm in the wrong place. No, this you is not belong for me. there. Everyone belongs everywhere they are. You see, you say that. Yeah. And then I think there's some spaces where I was just like, this is not but right no, for me. But no, that taps into imposter syndrome. It was. It was a huge moment of imposter syndrome. Yeah. I yeah. had met his cousin mm-hmm. um, when we were upstairs in the VIP room. Yeah. And she was like, oh, you should meet my cousin. Yeah. And she didn't say the cousin's name right away. She goes, you should meet my cousin. He like does a lot of acting this work and I think he would really love what you're doing for real and I'm like yeah that'd be dope but then after the event she brings me over to her cousin and it was D-Ray McKeeson and I tried to talk to him and at the time I was teaching my class on the Black Lives Matter movement which really took like the Black Lives Matter movement and contextualizing it within U.S. history and I was like D-Ray I think my students will love to talk to you can we maybe Skype or something like that you don't need to be here can you carve out 10 minutes of any day that you're free yeah 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 (laughs) like to just video Mm -hmm. chat Mm -hmm. I couldn't even get that out. Really? Because he just was like on his cell phone, just typing, 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 typing. And it was just yeah. like, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay, all right, yeah, sure, send me an email. Yeah. What's your email address? It just kind of walked away. Yeah. <laughs> just like, so, Dismissive. Just very dismissive. Yeah. And I believe in like human connections, mm-hmm. but also I believe that people can be deceiving. Absolutely. So I don't know if my interaction with Sean King was like a legitimate picture of who he is because mm-hmm. I have heard about the bullying that he does the silencing that he does the doxing he did the doxing that he did and all of that yeah. um, but D-Ray publishes an article on the night of the Diamond Ball okay 
And on that night, he publishes an article, and it's basically taking shots, very, very, very poignant, specific shots at Sean King, mm-hmm. and saying, like, it's like, I love how people start this off, because it's always like, as an activist, I hate to call out other activists. Yeah. But there are times when we have to do so. Because mm-hmm. not doing so is dangerous. <laughs> so, like, they yeah. set that foundation up as, like, I am doing the right Great work. work. You know? And yet, he still made it about him, kind of, I think, in a way. Because, like, just the moment of when he chose to do it. And he wasn't even the one to actually bring up the initial. Yeah. Because it started off as, like, an Instagram post. By a black woman. By a black woman. You know, that made the rounds on the black, nouveau, black feminist mm-hmm. Instagram web pages of, you know, for the past couple weeks. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden he turns to made it about himself. Yes, exactly. So With a Medium article. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to take medi- away from you. No, 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 yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, with the Medium article, he made it about himself. With the time, I think he published it. Because yeah. he published it right before the Diamond for real. Ball. Which, I mean, yeah, Someone's Sean salty. King is a part of it, yeah. but, like, Sean King is not the whole of it, mm-hmm. and you took away from all that other things that were happening within Absolutely. that Absolutely, yeah. They're trying to raise awareness to certain organizations, mm-hmm. and, like, you made it about you, mm-hmm. and you made it about him. You made it about you and him. Mm-hmm. So you're taking away from black women who actually, st- like, made these allegations yes, to begin exactly. with. You're taking away from Rihanna, and somehow you guys have been labeled the face of the Black Lives Matter movement, which makes no goddamn Fudge. sense, because I don't really know what D-Ray has done. Yeah. So let's go back to like what DeRay's activism. DeRay's been on Ellen. That's He's been something. on Ellen. Yeah. He chit-chatted with Katy Perry. You know what I mean? Yeah. When she locked herself in a dome or something yeah. like that. Or a she room. did like the 24 hours, seven days a week type of thing in 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 the lead up to the release of a record that yeah. basically went nowhere, frankly. Yeah. You know? Who's Katy Perry? Please. For real. Who <laughs> listens to her? Katy Perry. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So there's that, and a lot of black women just actually doing a very basic Google search wrote and published articles about Sean King. Mm-hmm. So with D-Ray, what he did in this um, Medium article was titled On Sean King, mm-hmm. he basically brought up the allegations again about Sean King stealing money from these fundraising efforts. Mm-hmm. My issue with this, and Jody, tell me if you agree, yeah. is I think the out like those allegations are important to bring up if you have evidence. Exactly. If you don't have evidence, and for me, the evidence that they're using is that he tweeted about a person's um, fundraising effort mm-hmm. and deleted the tweet, mm-hmm. and that person said, "Oh, I never got money from Sean yeah. King or something like that." Yeah. I'm sorry. In 2019. People are bringing tweets up from, like, the time Twitter began. Absolutely. And nobody has a picture of this tweet. Mm -hmm. And if that's the only evidence you're going off of, unless if I'm mistaken and I just haven't been able to find what other evidence there is. Yeah, 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 That's extremely dangerous because that's illegal. And Sean King kind of brought that back up in his response to D. Ray McKeeson. It's Mm -hmm. like, you are accusing me of a crime. Yeah. And he kind of compared that to the white people who... Started a GoFundMe page for that homeless guy, mm-hmm. and then they ended up oh, and they his, stole it and bought and like a Ford one forty truck or whatever. Yeah, and they're serving ten years in jail for real. And she's like, people are actually serving time in jail you know for what this. I mean? So yeah. don't accuse me of this shit. So stupid of them. They should yeah. just like invested it in stocks. But that's just me. You know, yeah. It was dumb. I mean, make it last. Yeah, yeah, make it last. It was just. <laughs> 
it was a very dumb plan, oh, especially oh, if you're going to try to screw over the other person that was you in the plan. Me? Like, pay your people. Be smart. Pay your people. Pay your people. Pay off. Pay the silence, okay? Because you, know you don't want to go to jail. Pay your bills. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I just feel like it's very dangerous to make these allegations if the only evidence you're going off of is like, I think I saw a tweet and I don't see yeah. that tweet anymore. For real. And that's not to like, that's not to cast doubt yeah. on Clarissa Brooks who first made this allegation. Mm-hmm. It's, and Sean King actually received a lot of criticism mm-hmm. because he wanted to, he reached out to Clarissa, um, Clarissa Brooks to sue for defamation. Yeah, really quick though. Really quick. However. But he also turned his people on her and she got doxxed. Would you not do the same though? Like, I, I, I think I, I would do you. the same. Like, if I was in that situation and somebody was accusing me of a crime and had no evidence. True. Because that's the only way you could sue for it. Like, if, you, if it's like. I think Clarissa did that accusing you of a crime, but I think it also reopened up a bigger question of his treatment of, of black women. And that's where I think yeah. D-Ray's criticism on yeah. Sean King is valid. Yeah. Is, and I wish that was like where it was rooted at. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a strong argument in and of itself. Exactly. And I feel like D-Ray lost my respect, however little much I still had for him, which was some. Mm-hmm. Because like, look, I'm not going to criticize people too. Like if you're doing this work, mm-hmm. I'm not going to criticize you. For real. Because I think criticizing you mm-hmm. leaves space for, like, white nationalists, white supremacists to come exactly. in and jump on that bandwagon. Yeah. Which is what happened. Yeah. After Jerry published his article. You know what I mean? And I think you just have to be, like, very conscious about where your words what are going, going to land and who's going to cape for them. But I don't know if we're going to get there yet or maybe in the next two mm-hmm. minutes or something like that. But I think what I find interesting about this whole thing was... You know, Sean King's response to D. Ray McHenson's, you know, accusation. Uh-huh. He chose to automate, I'm going su- to Clarissa, like, I'm going to sue you. Yeah, with Clarissa. Clarissa, and seek sick my people onto you. With DeRay, he decided, I'm going to be transparent and put yeah. out all of this. Like, he chose to actually mm. answer it. And that's where, that's where I'm complaining yeah. about it. I was just like, well, you're, again, you're dismissing yeah. Clarissa. All you have to do is the same shit and thing. Yeah, and then like take those allegations seriously in the same seriousness as you did with D Ray. Yeah, you you responded to D Ray the way you did because he has more of a platform. Exactly. To because you can't just be like, oh, I'm gonna stick my lawyers on you, D Ray, because that becomes like dramatic. Exactly. But you can do so with Clarissa because she doesn't have as big as a platform, and therefore we may not know. And she's not the first woman to bring this question up. Yeah. Over the course of the past few months. And he's just chosen to ignore, choose to sue, yeah. choose to do this. And bully, like people said that he's very much so as a bully. Mm-hmm. Um, part of D-Ray's criticism is that he doesn't know how to run an organization. Yeah, <laughs> and I think it was with that. Justice Together. Yeah. And valid. D-Ray, so I think we know D-Ray based off of like really three different Places and incidents that mm-hmm, happened. Mm-hmm. He came up during Ferguson. Yeah. He did a lot of interviews during Ferguson. Mm-hmm. People in Ferguson don't really fuck with D-Ray. No. They don't want him in the city. Did someone slap him? Um, yeah. So yeah. I think, like, um, I was reading, uh, darn it, I was reading an article, and eventually I'm going to come to this podcast yeah. with all my notes fully prepared. <laughs> that's the beauty of this podcast. It's just like, we're talking about black culture, black thought, but based upon what's in our heads at the moment. And yes, yeah, exactly. Because you know? like, you know, I feel like that's just like... This is what happens in life. This is what happens in life. This is what happens in the, like where black people conjugate, and this is how we talk this about shit. This is how shit. we talk. In my head, this, this is what happened. The right? Friday wind down after exactly. five hours of hard work. <laughs> five hours, because we work part-time. <laughs> We have a hard life, y'all. We have a hard 
hard life of eating really delicious Jamaican food. Yes. Because our, our job is on his lunch, too. You know what I mean? It's hard. Jody, you're invalidating all of my like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All my complaints. No, we're not going to complain about the job. No, we're not we going to talk it, about actually. our fucking first world problems. Yes. Because... <laughs> so. We can be bougie, too. Yeah, okay. Know, maybe that'll be another episode. First yeah. world problems. Like, you know? Black, Black edition. edition. <laughs> Black edition. Black edition. What the fuck is happening? What the fuck is happening? Because we also have to admit that we got some first world problems. You know what I mean? I'm like, we want ginger beer, but we didn't we want gray. But we bought fever tree. <laughs> and what is this shit? Okay. I don't know. It's actually not bad. It's not actually. It's not bad. It's just expensive. On its own. Yes. Yeah. Too expensive. It's too expensive. So, yeah, back to back to the matter. Yeah, because this is about to be a two-hour episode. For real, okay. like, your listeners are gonna. Be we are like, twenty-three minutes in, and <laughs> listeners are gonna be like, "What the? Fuck? We are still in the introduction phase." So yes, no. Yes. Yeah. So I, the three incidents you got Ferguson. Yeah. And the Ferguson activist, um, one activist was speaking like he literally has to tell people in Ferguson not to fuck up D-Ray. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and like so many people are just so over him. For real. And then you have Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. And in Baton Rouge, D-Ray got arrested for freedom of speech. Like, for like kind of like speaking and then he's like, has a lawsuit out against them about freedom of violating his freedom of speech rights. Yeah. And so, high publicity too. Absolutely. Then Baltimore, he ran for mayor. Another high publicity incident. He has these moments of doing quote unquote activist work. Yeah. But I will call D-Ray more of a TV activist mm-hmm. and or an advocate. I think an advocate is maybe <laughs> your face. No, <laughs> like no, continue finish your thought. I'm gonna say I think advocate advocacy is more of what he's doing versus yeah. activism. Yeah. Um to me, I think activism is just like I expect to see boots work, on the ground. Boots on the ground, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily TV interviews. Yeah. And out of the activists that I know, mm-hmm. they might do an interview on a radio, mm-hmm. on, but they're not going from news station to news station, MSN, MSNBC, yes. to CNN, yeah. to. I think that's all what I see him on, but like, <laughs> you oh, know, no. he's, he's not. He's been on Jimmy Kim. Jimmy Kimmel, he's been on like Jimmy Fallon, he's been on that's the That's not where night. I'm seeing activists. No. I just don't see it. And I like if you look back to my first episode, shameless plug, we really kind of get into grassroots activism versus like more of a corporate activist. Yeah. And I feel like he's he leads more towards corporate activism. I see. In that it's just a face talking about a movement, of course. but not necessarily doing the work. Well, palatable. Yeah. Palatable yes. to white audience. I'm gonna say it. He's like, like a teacher for what? He's a teach for America, America for the Black Lives Matter. Oh, legit. But he, I hate he, that program too. He, well, let me back. That's another episode. We got like five different episodes here. You right know what now. I mean? <laughs> but like, he's a palatable advocate. He makes it easy for the ones who five, six days out of the seven days of the week keeps their head in the sand. Uh-huh. And maybe for that one day want to take their head out of the sand and just kind of think, well, what's going on with yeah. the people outside of me? It's easy to talk to him. It's easy, you know, his activism, like I'm raising my hands as in like, you know, the black, yes. you know, the black fist. You know, like the, the, the black, you know, black Lives Matter fist. start filming these. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fun. But it, it's like, I've lost my thought really quickly, but it's like for those who kind of want to say, well, we, we want to say that, you know, we're woke uh-huh. and, you know, we're all about Black Lives Matter. But if we were to talk to Patrice, if we were to talk to the ones who were literally there, who literally got hurt, who's, you know, like with Patrice, whose, whose brother was considered 
crazy, you know, yeah. I don't like using the word crazy, but like mentally, you know, you know, that makes it too real, uh-huh. you know, with him. It's real, but it's not real. If you it's get what toned I'm saying, down. it's like toned, some of the things that the he word, does is down. like, I remember one interview with him and they were asking him, well, what do you feel about the violence that's taking place? And he did like a, actually like, he's a good speaker. I will give him that. Do you raise like a really good speaker? And what he said, he, it was basically asked like, what do you think about the violence that's happening during the Ferguson protest? Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, I don't believe in violence myself. So it's like that kind of insidious of like, yeah. well, I don't condone this, yeah. but I understand it. Mm-hmm. And broken bones mm. is not the equivalent to broken windows. Mm. And I get that. But also I think that there's this like trickery that happens in there yeah. where you say like, we shut, like shut it down. To to, like, but he's kind of like poo-pooing on them. Yeah, it's still. Like that's what I'm saying. Yeah. To, yeah. So it's like, oh, well, that's not what I would do. That's not what I would do. When it worked though. Exactly. It worked in like in terms of getting awareness of disrupting and of stopping the nation in some ways mm-hmm. during the Ferguson protest. Absolutely, all eyes were on Ferguson. Exactly. That was it. Absolutely. Um, I mean, was he actually there during the actual Ferguson protest, or was he just on TV? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is turning into like a let's shit on D Ray. Make it. Yeah, you know, let's move on because Sean King deserves his own share of shitting on. You know what I mean? They both do. I and actually, it, like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You got anything more to say about these two fools, or do you want to just move on to like the dope part of the episode? I think so. Let's just move on because we could sit here for like hours shitting on hours. guys. Because like you know, that's guys. just kind of like <laughs> I could shit on guys all day. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, the first question I really wanted to talk about, and we already answered it, was like our take on the D Ray Sean King drama. Because mm-hmm. um, I really think it was like when I first when we first started talking about this episode, yeah. Uh, this, episode not even this episode this topic yeah we really was like wait a second we had a moment where it was like did it black lives matter i guess talk by three women exactly. why are we talking about these two fools absolutely and then blackish this week actually did I an episode know. you saw the episode yes yes i'm happy feminism yes and Bo was like part of a white feminist group mm-hmm. not realizing that that could take away your sanity real quick. Oh, for hell of quick. Really quick. Yeah. Really, really, really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to an all-women's college that was very much so white and something about white feminist liberals. Oh, I don't trust them. Well, I've come to the realization so where like bit. I don't... Exactly. The soul-sucking. I mean, I'm going to say it right now. I grew up in Massachusetts. So... And I went to school in Massachusetts and it's just... Special, I think New England in general yeah. is like a special type of whiteness. For real. That can, that is like, oh, we're, it's really much so like Get Out. Mm-hmm. I think Get Out took place in Massachusetts. Absolutely. <laughs> it, just, it just makes sense because it's like. Oh, it was right there filmed in Winchester. Yeah. Winchester, Massachusetts. Which, I wouldn't even say Winchester. I'm going to say Arlington, mm-hmm. where it's just full of people who are so quote unquote like, whoa. Yeah. Part of the Black Lives Matter I chapter. I voted for Obama. I voted for Obama. The Arlington but Black I will Lives cross Matter the sh- chapter with no actual was the one black that was closest to my school, and it's just yeah, it's devoid of actual black life. Yes, black people. It's the, does that have black people like all of that? So that's basically what the episode was about. Yeah. on Blackish was mm-hmm. like white people talking about white women talking about feminism in yeah. a very white way Absolutely. that uplifted white women and yes. only white women. 
And then Bo realizing that, holy shit, she's part <laughs> I've fallen of into yeah. the sunken place, yeah. decides to leave that white feminist group to start her own woman of color feminist group. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to use this opportunity mm-hmm. to talk about some badass women in history yes. who's done some dope ass shit yes. and who all happen to be black. black so I'm super excited yeah. about this. So we're going to first start off with <coughs> the one, the only... Ida B. Wells. Ida B. Wells. Yes. So Ida B. Wells is such a prominent person who documented Mm -hmm. lynching in the South Mm -hmm. at a time where it was very dangerous Mm -hmm. to document lynching in the South. Absolutely. And she was also like a suffragette as well. Yes. Yeah. So she was born in 1862. She was an activist on behalf of black lives. She was a feminist. She was a researcher. And a journalist. Mm-hmm. And she actually pioneered a lot of journalistic techniques that are used today. Really? Such as investigative journalism. I didn't, yes. did not know that. Yeah. So <clears throat> with Ida B. Wells, she spent her career researching, documenting lynchings that happened in the South. So she would travel to these locations. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that's like, I feel like I'm not saying it correctly. Because I feel like I'm not adding enough of, like, how much she put her life into danger to do this work. Mm -hmm. This was happening at a time when white people were taking black people out of prisons in a mob so that they could hang them from a tree and kill them. Absolutely. So there was no laws that Mm -hmm. protected black people. Yeah. Especially black people who were trying to expose what was happening. Mm -hmm. So she traveled to these locations. She looked, poured over pictures of these lynchings that took place because if you did not know lynchings photographs were used as postcards mm-hmm. by white people you know to show hey here's what we're doing today we just killed a black person this is a picture of them hanging from a tree wish you were here yes <laughs> like that was what was happening exactly. this is like how fucked up this country is uh, and this is like the fucked like up situation yeah yes yeah like it, it still is uh, like i ooh, another episode i have Stay tuned because it's going to come out soon. It is. <laughs> I like how you like pointing at the microphone. Like. Pointing at the microphone. I'm talking to y'all. <laughs> Anyways, um, it's basically like I wanted to talk about the visual display of black death and how from lynching to mm-hmm. today, mm-hmm. we are used to seeing black people dying in this country. We are born into that. Yes. It's a part of everybody who was born in this country's DNA. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why we don't get we are kind of immune to the images of black people dying in certain ways. Yeah. It does not hit us the way it should hit it's us. It's in our body. Yeah. Yeah. It's in our bones. Yes, it's in our historical country DNA. Mm-hmm. And anyways, We're I'm off topic. We're all trauma-bonded together. Yeah. In some way or the other. Exactly. Yeah. So she traveled, she put her own life at risk to do this work, and what you got was like probably one of the most detailed reportings mm-hmm. on lynching that you could possibly get and the most prominent work that she has, or one of the most prominent works that she has, is Southern, Hor- um, Southern Horrors Lynching in All of Its Phases. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, she documents the location, the reason why lynchings take place, how it takes place, when it takes place. Yeah. It's like a very detailed account. Yeah. How many white people are dying on behalf of black people? How many yeah. black men are dying because they were presumed to have sex with white women. Mm-hmm. And in that, she not only caped for black men, she also caped for black women. Yes. Because it kind of exposed, or she exposed this kind of 
double standard in how white men treated sexual assault. Yes. So it was illegal, quote unquote, mm. to, for a black man to have sex with a white woman, and that was punishable by a mob lynching death. Mm-hmm. However, it was almost expected. Yeah. Yeah. It, but it was also almost expected that mm. white men can rape black women mm-hmm. with zero consequences. Yes. And that's how she was able to kind of cater for both genders. And I think not a lot of people. Eh, correction, not a lot of black activist men can do that. No. <laughs> you know, and I feel like a lot of black activist men, not all, but a lot, focus on empowering black men and uplifting black men and expecting black women to kind of just like fall behind them. And get the coffee. And like get the yeah. coffee, but they somehow get empowered through not being yeah. highlighted, which yeah. doesn't make sense. So Ida B. Wells not only highlighted the horrors that were happening against black men, mm-hmm. but within doing so was like able to point out this double um, standard standard against black women. Thank yes. you. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. So that's kind of what I really appreciate about Ida B. Wells. I think she did a lot of work and a lot of danger. She put her, lot, her life in a lot of danger in order to help people. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think she's amazing. I, <laughs> yeah. mean, I, I mean, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, like, her role within the suffragette movement uh-huh. and how her, you know, not only trying to get rights for women, but get rights for black women. Yeah. And then just getting pushed back, you know, from the so-called queens, like, you can't, uh, oh, the Stanton lady, <clears throat> Caddy B. Stanton, I believe, right? Uh-huh. Is that her name? You know, and, and their thoughts of, like, in the suffragette movement about how they would rather get the rights for women first before that of the black man and that of the black women and and the erasure of women like Ida B. Wells and other I mean for lack of a better term like educated black women. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you gotta you always have to think of the you know, the so called I'd be a, at the time eighteen sixty two that it's probably the beginning of the discussions of the talented tenth. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So those would be the ones that we were thinking about in terms of getting the rights to vote. Yeah. And in case you just don't know about the talented 10th, that's yeah. just like, I think uh, W.E.B. Du Bois w. was like Bois, yeah. a big proponent of the talented 10th yeah. where he felt like the talented 10th, we should put our efforts into them. Yeah. And the talented, the top 10 yeah. of the top 10th percentile, of, like terms of smarts and access and mm-hmm. maybe money of the black community, that's where our energy should go into uplifting those black people mm-hmm. in order to then get freedom. So kind of a lot of like trickle-down politics. I was about to say trickle-down, trickle-down down politics. politics. Sounds like a Republican. Yes. Sounds very Not like Republicans a Re- of the 1800s, the Republicans of the today. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because you know, Kanye always likes to be like, well, the Republicans were the ones who were like setting black people free. And it's like, but like, that's... <clears throat> we also had a third changed. party. We also have the Whig party. Well, let's not go into history. Yeah, yeah. Times have changed, yes. Yeah. You gotta thank Ayn Rand for that. Yes. But that's for a different podcast, different time. So, yeah, you had the Talented 10th, and you had mm-hmm. it, like, trying to gain access to those who we saw as yeah. being special black people. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the New Negro, I think. Yeah. Kind of like that goes on to that. Um, and then not necessarily gaining access for everybody or trying mm-hmm. to, like, you know... Kind of, it's like very much so today, respectability politics, I would say. Respectability politics and creating that barrel <laughs> in which the crabs live in. Yeah. Yeah. And in case they don't know what that means, do you want to explain your... your oh, crabs <laughs> in a barrel? Crabs in a barrel analogy. Yes. So basically, when the crabs are in a barrel, they're all trying to get out of the barrel. 
And so as a crab is trying to get to a top, a crab might grab a claw, the mm-hmm. one below, and pull them pull them down. And I look like within <clears throat> excuse me, like the black community or just communities in general, life in general, if you get to a point up at the top, I always say they want to be the special snowflake. They want to be mm-hmm. the only ones. And by hook or by crook, that probably might be the thing I have yeah. to explain. But like they will make sure that they are the only ones and will go through through whatever which way to kind of pull the person down back into the barrel so that they don't get free. Yeah. Is that a good way to In explain order to it? free yourself. In order to free yourself. Yeah. You know, to order to be on like an even playing field. You know, like they mm-hmm. want to be, I keep using the word palatable, but they want to be the ones that... That, for lack of a better term, white people go to. Yeah, doesn't uplift their own community. Doesn't even uplift their own community, yeah. More concerned with their own success than than the communal success. Yes, exactly. Which I think, in part, you have to be concerned about your own success, but you Mm -hmm. can't do it in spite of your community. Absolutely. And I think that's the problem with the whole crabs in the barrel. Whole crabs in the barrel, talented ten. Yeah. All All of that. that. Yeah. So what were you saying in terms of Ida B. Wells and that talented tenth and... I lost train of thought. What in terms? You were of, saying like that was the time of the talented ten. It was like I, I'm assuming it's probably the beginning of the talented mm-hmm. tenth because, I mean, essentially it was like you know the first black female yeah. doctor, the first black this, and, and legit the first. Yes, black. I mean we still have a lot of first blacks even today in 2019, but you know she's kind of working to maybe uplift those a bit more, rather those who are. Sharecropping, mm. you know, yeah, finding a way to get them from that, which is essentially still slavery, yeah, still slavery, yeah. still slavery for sure, yeah, yeah. So, we definitely wanted to talk about oh, also, Abby Wells had to leave the south oh. due to many death threats, understandable against her life. So, I just really wanted to talk about Ida B. Wells because I think that Ida B. Wells, yes, yeah, I really think that what she what she put her life into, like the danger that she put her life into mm-hmm. for black people mm-hmm. was very important. Absolutely. And I think it kind of, towards the end of this, you're going to see where I'm going with mm-hmm. this. But um, Full circle. Yeah, it's going to be full circle. So just hang in there with me, y'all. But what she did was like able to uplift many people at one time. Yes. Something that I think just a hit where we're going. Something that I think is unique to black women and what I black women so. can do. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like they weren't forgotten. Mm-hmm. You know, if she's uplifting, she's uplifting men. She's uplifting women. Yeah. She's uplifting children. Yeah. So that was Ida B. Wells. Yes. I suggest that you guys learn more about her. Absolutely. Um, read Southern Horrors, Lynching in All of Its Faces, mm-hmm. because it's a very important document within... I actually think it's probably one of the most important journalistic documents out there mm. um, for American history. I see. Yeah. I really do think so. I think that we need to... And this is like kind of how I feel and what I tell my students is that in order to understand racial dynamics within the U.S., you need to have a very great foundation of black history. Yes. And of this documentation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I will highly recommend you guys learning more about Ida B. Wells. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have a reading list at the end of this. So <laughs> pointing my finger at y'all because y'all are now my students. And that's we what I <laughs> love Ida B. Yes. So then <laughs> the next did. person I wanted to talk about was who truly started the bus boycotts. Yes. Yes. Would you want to kind of do a little overview of... Claudette Coleman. Claudette Coleman. Do you want to do this one? I love Claudette. Yes. So, 
prefacing this, I learned about this from this amazing book that I read from the dark end of the street. Um, but essentially, Claudette Colvin was the first person to be removed from the bus and arrested for, uh-huh. you know, from sitting at the, refusing to sit at the back of the bus when she was 15 years old, trying to, you know, go home from school. And it essentially happened organically. You know, in hindsight, looking at it, I think they probably use this as an example, mm-hmm. you know, in the creation of the what Rosa Parks did, I'm assuming, like a year later. Yeah. Um, she got arrested. She got, she went to jail. You know, the NAACP came to her aid. They got her, they got her released. They thought that they were going to make sure that, should I just read what your notes? Yeah, you can do that. Yeah. Um, on March 2nd, 1955, 15-year-old Colvin was taking the bus home from school when the bus driver demanded that she get up from a seat. She refused to do so, saying that it was her constitutional right to sit since she paid her fare. Rightfully so. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes, bitch. Don't truly think you is. The police were called, and when they put her in handcuffs, homegirl was like, yo, they're going to have to drag me off this bus. She's been studying black activists in school and quoted learning about Harriet Tubman. So she was calling on the black ancestor. Mm -hmm. Rightfully so. We got to call our ancestors to get us through this day, right? And it's happy to know that in 1955, she was doing that too. Yeah. Actually, there's like a very interesting article um, by, or essay, I should say, by Bell Hooks. Yeah. And she really talks about education. Mm -hmm. Um pre-segregation versus education post-segregation. post-segregation. Oh, it's, it's and yeah. Go ahead, sorry. Go ahead. Not post, I mean, during, like, during mm-hmm. se- education during segregation and um, education after segregation mm-hmm. and how education during, um, during segregation, oh, that's like a lot of, <laughs> yeah. too much, okay. <laughs> too many words. But um, how education during segregation uh-huh. was more empowering for black students yes, because they had a lot of that history Absolutely. that took place Absolutely. that was erased once you started integrating schools. And it's continually being erased. Yes, so yeah. like even today, <laughs> I feel like I learned about mm. Harriet Tubman yeah. during history class, but it was like a day's worth of, you know, it lessons. It was in... Um, Black History Month. It was, yeah, during Black History Month, mm-hmm. where each day, or not even each day, uh, maybe every other day or every week, you mm-hmm. might study a new black person, mm-hmm. but it was never in great depth, you know? Word. Yeah. Um. So she was learning about black activists mm-hmm. at a very young age. Yes. During the 1950s, mm-hmm. where you had, where the black activists we learn about today was it like I mean, activists at that point? Marcus or like, was, Garvey. Yeah. All those ones, yeah. And even Marcus Garvey, you don't really learn about in No, um, you don't really. I mean, I don't remember Marcus Garvey until I got into college. Yeah. You know? So I was like, oh, they had this whole pan Africanism movement. Uh-huh. We're going back to Africa, led by someone who was an immigrant to this country. Yeah. Okay. So she was. That's interesting. Yeah. So I think, and then also something that we tell our students a lot is that. You gain empowerment mm-hmm. from learning your history. Absolutely. And even today, we, we had a conversation with them. Yeah. And we were like, y'all, you do know that you come from a line of activists. Absolutely. A line of organizers. Mm-hmm. Even if you immigrated to this country. Like, you yeah. know, because a lot of our students are from the Caribbean. Yeah. And like, look at Haiti. Look at some of these countries there that rose up and, like, did a revolution and we're like, Haiti was like the face of like how to get your ass out of slavery. Absolutely. Like, that's who you go to. <laughs> like, they are the poster child of the, what the fuck to do. Yes. Yeah. So 
Claudette was able to tap into mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. ancestral organizing, ancestral like ancestral activist history mm-hmm. that she found within herself. Yeah, and at fifth. Absolutely. 15. She stood up. She was 15. That's yes. what 15-year-olds do. They challenge they authority. Challenged and she challenged it. Yeah. She was arrested. Mm-hmm. And the NAACP. You know? I think they are like the poster childs of respectability politics, too. Oh, absolutely. Um, don't, don't even get me started on the NAACP. Yes. Because, yeah, we can and, go for hours. Yes. And other black orgs at that time, and this is a time where a lot of activist work was done through the church, through black yeah. churches, did not want to use her for this movement, for the mm-hmm. bus boycott, because she was 15. Well, she was pregnant. She was pregnant and she was dark-skinned. And she was dark-skinned. And I think they were... Well, in reading the book, mm-hmm. they were inten- they were intending on using her until all that information kind of came out. They weren't really planning on... I mean, it just kind of happened. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, Rosa Parks was a deliberate act. And they portrayed it as if as though it was organic, like how yeah. Sean's was organic. But it's sad, though, because, like, I mean, obviously the woman, I think she either recently just died or she's still alive, mm-hmm. you know? And it's being erased from, and it, it stems back to Ida Baywells and W.E. Dubois and, and E.B. E. Dubois and, and Frederick Douglass of, like, Douglas of, like the talented 10th and, uh-huh. and that respectability politics and, and having to make it, at the end of the day, more palatable for white people to yeah. understand. And Claudette Colvin, she did an article, and she's still alive. She's 80 years old oh, right good, now. Good, good, good. Yeah. Um, and she lives in the Bronx. Ooh. Oh, my word. Sis, let me go come visit you. Yeah, well, that's the whole thing about the migration from the South yes. to the North. Yes. Yeah. Um, and she said that the reason why the NAACP didn't want to use her was because Rosa Parks had the skin complexion mm-hmm. and the hair type that was more closely associated with the middle class. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of just highlights yeah. where this movement might have been. Absolutely. And who the faces of these movements were was middle class black people during middle the civil rights. Because they were smart. They know how to yeah. speak You well. got Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King. Absolutely. Don't even get me started. I love Dr. Martin Luther King and what he's done for America, but at the same time, there's issues with him too. Worthy of critique. Worthy of critique. And it was also like with this bus boycott with Rosa Parks. I mean, the work that Rosa Parks is doing prior yeah, to, to the bus boycott. Yes. All of that shit was erased. So all what was some of the was. work that Rosa Parks was doing before the bus boycott? I mean, if I'm correct, I mean, I believe Rosa Parks been part of the NAACP since she was pretty much like a teenager and yeah. a child. I know her, her parents were involved mm-hmm. like early... Adopted that in um, NAACP. She was um, one of the movements, but she was was for black women who were sexually assaulted by white men to be able to report the crime and be properly prosecuted for it. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think also, was it black men? Yeah, and making sure black men men who were falsely accused of accusations... Get a fair trial. Yes, and work on protecting them. Mm -hmm. So she worked a lot on, on like, kind of the law front. She wasn't just a seamstress. She wasn't just a seamstress. Yeah. She wasn't just tired. Mm -hmm. This was actually, I think, a little bit more pointed. Like, planned, possibly. Oh. Just like the bus boycotts. I think it was like the more like... Bus boycotts planned. Yeah. I know know that for sure. Yeah. it was all in that book, which is the writer's sake here. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little bit more planned. And also, like, just in hindsight, like, looking at... Claudette Colvin and yeah. what she'd been through and knowing that the NAACP was kind of like 
Because mm, we want to be able to have her come. Because I think that with Claudette versus Rosa, mm-hmm. going to the media aspect, you know, they will probably white people will probably feel more sympathy for Rosa than Claudette. They'll yeah. probably just think with Claudette, she's like, well, she's just like a moody teenager. Yeah, you know, just a moody, fast, mm-hmm. fast in quotations teenager you know just doesn't know her place in this world and your rose is just like tired wanting to go home wanting to get to her husband and i don't know if she had children to her kids you know again going back to like light skin good hair you know when learning about claudette it became like a really sensitive subject to me because i always valued what rosa did Mm -hmm. for like the boys bus boycott but then it also still goes back to like our education system and yeah. what you learn, you know, to learn that it was, you raised to think that Rosa Parks was organic. It just kind of happened. But I think it was strategically mm-hmm. planned. But it did seem like it had a planned aspect because they knew that Claudette Colvin wasn't the person for this movement. Yeah. And they knew that this movement needed to happen. Yeah. So that's kind of why I'm like, well, maybe this was planned a little bit. It's strategic. It was strategic. Yeah. I mean, I think they knew that that was, that was their target as to yeah. what they wanted going to do. Which then going back to, okay, Rosa did this. Mm-hmm. And I think... If I'm correct, Rosa was hoping to have more of a say and more yeah. of a voice in the movement afterwards. Because she was just used as a figurehead. She like, was just okay, used as and a then figurehead. other people kind of came in and was like... I mean, oh. she was actively mm-hmm. really involved in it. Like, really before this moment. Yeah. And then they're just like, okay, all the men, we got this. We're going to yeah. go from this from here. You're just going to be like this... this mirror. And I remember reading, again, in the book, you know, Dark End of the mm-hmm. Street, um... They told her to be demure. Yeah. They told her to just not to be so vocal and to learn that she was a very vocal woman within this movement, especially in in her work of black women yeah. that were raped by white men. Yeah. You know? And again, where were the men in the civil rights movement protecting these black women who were raped? Yeah. Where were they? I mean, well, how much work could they do? I mean, not point? much work, but I mean, the ones who had a voice, who had a say, who was, for lack of a better, I keep using the word palatable, mm-hmm. but but for the ones who were of the upper echelons that white people would listen, in quotations again, listen to. Where were they? Yeah. Where were they? Yeah. You know? Because, the I mean, in, in learning about the rapes of black women during this time, mm-hmm. you know, they weren't. They weren't. The they didn't speak that out did. that needed, like, because Malcolm X spoke out on mm-hmm. behalf of black women, but it wasn't necessarily to the extent that it needed to happen. Yes, it was just enough to say that I did it. You, you know, know kind of. It's like I see you. Yeah, I acknowledge you, but this ain't about you. And I think because you're a woman, you got a lady. You yeah, got a lady, you got a lady brain. And I think that's like really how black women were kind of perceived yeah. throughout the whole civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. It was, it was really, and like I hear this too day and mm-hmm. it drives me fucking insane yeah that the thought that black women are the backbone to black men yes and it's never the reversal no and like i think of like elaine brown mm-hmm. who was who led the black panther party for a while yeah you know mm-hmm. like come on like I, I mean frankly i didn't know who elaine brown was until i you told me about yes. it today yeah and this is the problem i wrote it down is yeah. that we're not talking about 
mm-hmm. not known activists. Mm-hmm. These are well-known, prominent figures within the civil rights movement mm-hmm. or within black activist communities historically. Yeah. And yet so few people know about them yeah. and it's not discussed on a wide enough platform no. because they're black women. And we don't look at black women as being the people who might right. have mm-hmm. possibly yeah. did a lot, a lot of, of work, work within these movements. Well, let, me, let me ask you, let me follow up with this question. Do you think that because people who were in charge of the publishing industry, people who are in charge of the media, I mean, during this time, or primarily men, mm-hmm. do you think they just kind of focused on the men and just kind of diminished the women? And, you know... I think it's a little bit of both. Okay. I think that it's like, because you didn't say the other, but (laughs) in my mind, I think I knew where you were going. Yeah. Um, But I think it's a little bit of being silenced by the media and not being highlighted by the media, but Mm -hmm. then also being told not to talk. Yes. You know, and also being told to know your role. Exactly. And don't distract. Exactly. And that's something that you hear today, too. It's Absolutely. like, oh, well, if you start talking about black women lives, yeah. then that's distracting from the main issue, which is like, like women. black men are yeah. being killed. And exactly. I'm like, black women are being killed, too. Black women are being killed. They're being raped. There's so many things that black women have to go through. Mm-hmm. And I really want to take it back to the Combahee River Collective, where... If you free black women, mm-hmm. you will free all other forms of people who are being oppressed. Absolutely. All forms of oppression will be mm-hmm. free. Mm-hmm. And it will be non-existent, I should say. Mm-hmm. Because when we look at the hierarchy of where people fall, like the hierarchy of systems of oppression, mm-hmm. you have white men on top. Yes. Followed by white women, mm-hmm. followed by black men. Mm-hmm. And by black men, I don't want to say all people of color because that's not necessarily true. True, true. But I'm just going to go in the frameworks of black and whiteness right now. So mm-hmm. followed by black men and then followed by black women. Yeah. Followed by maybe queer. <laughs> queer black men. Queer black men, yeah. Then followed by queer black women. Yeah. Like, you know? yeah. So regardless, you, we're at the bottom. Yes. Yeah. Regardless, we're at the bottom, however, mm-hmm. way. And there's this quote. I don't know who the fuck said this quote, but I remember hearing it in the class one time mm-hmm. and I looked for it. So I'm wondering if I made this quote up in my mind. Yeah. But if I did, I would take credit for it then. There we go. All right, but I don't think I did. Uh-huh. Um, where it was like, if you free a black lesbian woman in a third world country, uh-huh. all forms of oppression will be non existent. Oh, wow. Because you have, in that, you have class, you mm-hmm. have gender, you have race. And you have sexuality. That's a lot. That's a lot. But that's amazing, though. And I think there's so much truth to that. Absolutely. Because if you free somebody who is poor, who is black, who is queer, and who is a woman, Mm -hmm. or a trans woman, or Mm -hmm. a trans person, I should say, not just trans woman, but trans, Uh then you end all systems of oppression. Yeah. You really do. And I think that, and I truly think that a lot of activist work mm-hmm. needs to come from black women. I agree. Because I think that we have this unique perspective mm-hmm. of seeing everybody who comes above us. Or in this, and I'm saying above us in quotation marks. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally doing quotation marks at the microphone. Yeah. Um, but because we know that black women are at the top. We're the smartest of the smart. We're the best. We're the best. We heard the fucking shit, okay? Um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. But we're perceived as being at the bottom, yeah. and we're perceived as being somebody who needs to be saved. Yeah, absolutely. Versus people who fucking do the same thing historically. You, you know what I mean? All the time. But then at the same time. We cape for everybody. Exactly. And I wholeheartedly <laughs> agree with you. 
So I definitely think that this work, activist work, it becomes a special type of work when black women are doing mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. I think that it sees all forms of people mm-hmm. when black women are doing it. Um, and that's evident in today's movements. Yeah. So you have the Me Too movement, mm-hmm. which was First coined by a black woman, the phrase Me Too, by Tariana Burke, who experienced her own form of sexual assault, sexual rape, mm-hmm. and made a post about it and like was basically ten like years ago. ten years ago. Yeah. And at the end of this post was like Me Too. Mm-hmm. Because she recognized in that moment that this is not something that's unique to me as a woman, but unique to all women. Yes. And that's such a special place mm-hmm. to be like just for me to see like to take your trauma and mm-hmm. to not be all consumed by that trauma Word. and be able to be like I'm gonna take a step back and be like wait a second mm-hmm. this just is like this doesn't just happen to me it happens to everybody mm-hmm. and I think that that's something that's very hard to do when you are in trauma exactly <laughs> like, exactly you know, goes back like, to trauma bombs. yes yeah. like, when you're in trauma it's yeah. very hard to recognize the trauma that other people are exactly, going through exactly. and I say that from experience of being in trauma sometimes you sometimes, know yeah um but then it got co-opted in the recent when the Me Too movement started happening more publicly, when Weinstein, when Weinstein happening, it got co-opted by a lot of white women mm-hmm. to the point where black people had to be like, "Hold the f up." But honestly, that's a beautiful thing, though, mm-hmm. because in the past, you know, we would see movements co-opted by white people. I'm going to put it out there, white women that pretty much started uh, with amongst black communities, brown communities, Latinx communities, you know, and we sit silent. But for us to kind of say, no, 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 this has been going on for over a decade. Yes. Speak speak her name, speak her name right. And to kind of see a little bit of intersectionality about it, you know, mm-hmm. like the white woman kind of stepping back and kind of say, for a short while, she did this, yeah. let's give her, you know, but then they... And I mean, to the credit of, like, Alyssa Milano. That's all right. Eat your chip, girl. Thank you. To the credit of Alyssa Milano, who was the one, I think, to really bring in Tariana Burke. Mm -hmm. And I feel even weird saying that, bring in Tariana Burke to something that she created, Created. but whatever. Um, She was really kind of, like, she, like, accepted that moment. Yeah. And accepted her wrongs in that moment. Absolutely. And a lot of people mm-hmm. who come from positions of privilege mm-hmm. have a very hard time accepting that exactly and accepting that this is not your this is not something this is you not created your sp- I mean, this is not this is not necessarily not not your space you know what I mean? but it's not your space to fully claim absolutely i mean look at Alyssa milano sitting behind brett kavanaugh at his uh what is this hearings mm-hmm. you know what i mean as if as though like i am the foremost person on this whole entire me too movement yeah you know even though she she admitted it wrong she brought in Toronto. She brought. She brought. Um, what's the word? Like, a voice to. You know what yeah. I mean? She still ended up running away with it. Yeah. As if as though it was her. Yeah, and I think like even like that Times magazine mm-hmm. that was like Women of the Movement. Yeah. Tariana Burke was not on the cover. And why was that? And yeah, and it was like a lot of white women on the cover. There's only white. It, it was only white women. It was right? only white women on the yeah. cover. She was like on the inside yeah. of the white cover, and the excuse that they made was so. Honestly, like backhanded, based solely upon looks. Uh-huh. This has not. This whole movement had ain't does not have anything to do about looks. No, you know it has something to do about the hurt, the shared hurt. Yeah, amongst black women, amongst white women, about what being 
not not listen to being sexually assaulted, however sexually harassed, all of that. Mm-hmm. But to bring it down again to just the looks of a person, the looks of a black woman. Yeah. That she doesn't look like someone that would have been sexually assaulted. And I heard that going fucked around. Up. Totes First of all. Up. And I think like that also reminds me, and this is like a complete mm. bloop, but not really a bloop, Let's get it. Yes. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, because I don't think people understand my bloop, 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 so <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um when that lady came out, that woman came out against Usher giving her herpes. Yes! And she was like more heavy set, and mm-hmm. people were just like, oh well, no way Usher would sleep with her. And I'm like, excuse Your uncle was left with her. What the I, I fuck are you talking words. about? Yeah. I don't have the words for that. You Who know the what fuck I mean? you think you Who is? Who is? Oh, please. You know what I mean? Mm-mm. And the people who were saying that. Yeah. That's the thing. That's the thing. I mean, like, it was also coming from black men. Black men. And I hate, I don't want to blash my black men. But, you know, but the fact that it's kind of coming from them, they're the ones kind of saying with uh, Tariana, you know, Burke, you know, who would want to hurt her? You yeah. know, which is unbelievable. I know why people probably wasn't going to say it because, you know, especially the woke ones, because they don't want to seem as racist. Yeah. You know, maybe the incels and the white nationalists will probably would say something about that. And But to kind of hear that and to kind of see like a reputable publication such as The Time mm-hmm. insinuate that. In their reasoning as to why yeah. she wasn't on the cover of the yeah. magazine. It's hurtful. It's just totally hurtful. hurtful. And it's like... It diminishes it just, us again. Yeah. yeah. Diminishes us. Because I think it's not her looks. Yeah. It's black women's looks. And what we value those looks as. Mm-hmm. And do we value them as something that is even... I really we, can, can, we, can, like, we can talk about the values of women's yes. looks. We can talk about the Me Too movement in the terms of how... When black women went at the height of it, yes, Tariana came up with the hashtag in that moment like over a decade ago. But the black celebrities who said that this happened to me too, mm-hmm. they were the only ones that were questioned and discredited. Yeah. I think of like Lupita Nyong'o, Lupita Nyong'o with Harvey yeah. Weinstein and Harvey Weinstein making it a point to come out against her and being yes. like, I never slept with me. I ain't never her. Nah. Everybody All the other bitches, yes. Her, no. I judge Yanto, yes. Yes. But Lapita, no. Yeah. And it was almost kind of like, I look at Lena Dunham uh-huh. in terms of the girls, and I can't think of her oh. name, but I think it's Andrea Perrineau. Her father was on Lost. Yeah. You know, in that regard. And sticking up for the man who said uh-huh. that, you know, he raped her. Uh-huh. It was full-on sexual that assault. That bitch is so problematic. You know what? I can't. You I can can't do. stand her. You can do a whole series about how problematic, like... You know, Lena Dunham is, but but then had to, months down the line, apologize for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you're supposed to be all about for the rights of women. All women. You yeah. say all women. But then, you know, you just have to speak out when an injustice is being had. And there's no way, no way this man is something that black girl. And I mean, I can, I mean, speaking for personal, like, experience, not in terms of, like, being sexually assaulted, but, like, hearing white women say, well, I can never see that happening. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And having someone who doesn't look like you being attracted to you. Well, yeah. I can never see that happening. Yeah. Well, I can never see that man raping you. Why would he rape you? Yeah. Or even, like, I remember 
back in my day, back in my day when I was younger, <laughs> I, know. I had a crush on a white guy. Oh, last week. And, <laughs> not last week. It's been years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But just being like having a crush on a white guy and my friend being like, really, Chelsea? Yes. Really? You think that, that, that a white guy saying this to me, you think that white guy would want to date you? And I'm mm. like, why wouldn't they? Well, just look at you. You know? And having that word, that phrasing being said to me. Just look at you. You. Just look at you. Yeah. It's just like, you know, I mean, we're probably varying off course, but, you know, hearing a friend of a friend who had a crush on me, mm-hmm. again, from a white woman, and she's like, well, I don't see where that could be the case because he didn't really talk to you. I don't see where that would happen. Yeah. And it wasn't the first time she had said something yeah. like that, you know? And it was just kind of like, well, well... It, it makes you mind goes to places like yeah. what makes what's wrong with me that no one would have wanted me to me yeah. as well. And I think that's like it's not far off course. Yeah, it kind of goes into why black women yeah. are not believed exactly in terms of being raped. Yeah, and specifically being raped by white men. Yeah, and having that be like something historically mm-hmm. that hasn't been prosecuted in a way that it needs to be prosecuted. Who would want you? Who would want you? Yeah, or are you rapable? And I think that's the question that... And that's a fucked up question it's to a have. It's a fucked up are question. Are you rapable? Like, well, and yeah. I mean, like, I think people will view it as, like, are you sure you didn't want it? Exactly. Are you sure you didn't ask for it? Yeah. Are you sure? Like, you know, it's you that type of questioning. It's, it's this hypersexuality that's mm-hmm. ca- cast on all black people, both Absolutely. black men and women, Absolutely. that takes away from black women mm-hmm. being capable of being raped in the public's eye. Yeah. Is what I'm kind of going like who, with. But then, again, always goes right back to the media portrayals mm-hmm. of, as you say, like the Jezebels, the Mammies, yeah. and all that. Yeah. I the mean, Jezebels, hypersexual. Hypersexual. The Mammies, not, not sexual, sexual at all. <laughs> but yet, somehow had breast milk to feed your babies. You but know okay. what I mean? Okay. It just magically happens. Just like magically a happens. But you know, nobody will ever want to have sex with a mammy. Yeah. Or even Thomas Jefferson uh. writing in his book, mm. um, and I think it was like, oh, something Virginia, state of the law of Virginia or some shit like that, um, saying that black people, black men, mm. would rather have sex with an orangutan then have sex with black women. <laughs> Mr. Who probably had like a whole football team yeah. of children with yeah. Sally Hemings. Okie doke. Okie doke. Yeah. Okay. Do you think, well, that us obvious because he's trying, he obviously said that because he probably felt uncomfortable with what he was doing. Probably. Obviously raping her. Yeah. And just kind of like saying that to just, you know how people kind of cheat people. It's like, well, I would never do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would never, you know, I would rather like cut eat glass than cheat mm-hmm. on my wife, you know? Yeah. But yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To feel less guilt. Yeah. To feel less guilt like, of what yes. they're doing. Yes. And yeah. Fuck you, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you, founding father. Yes. Fuck you. <laughs> but just kind of moving on. Yeah, sorry, because it's going yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> but then also talking about the um, founders of the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very important to look at the Black Lives Matter movement. And the impact it's yeah. had. Mm. Because this is the biggest movement for mm. black lives within my lifetime. Within mine. And within your lifetime. Mm-hmm. And you are about 10 years older than me, right? How old are you? I'm 29. So yeah, yeah, 10 years, yeah. So this movement 
despite kind of what stories individuals might want to pay attention to, mm-hmm. really kind of capes for all black lives. Absolutely. It's not just black men's life, which was kind of prevalent in the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. It's not just black women's lives, which mm-hmm. I was never a part of any movement. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody was. Maybe and our it doesn't was, yeah. exclude black queer lives, black mm-hmm. gay lives, black lesbian lives, black trans lives. It's an all-encompassing movement of black lives from okay. everywhere. Absolutely. And it's beautiful. I it's think. a beautiful movement. Mm-hmm. And I think like it kind of steps away from respectability politics. Exactly. Which a lot of these movements in the past have mm-hmm. not. They Abs- were rooted in respectability rooted. politics. I think it's because after the civil rights movement, you know, we got our rights, uh-huh. quote unquote, you know, our rights. So the people who at that time normally wouldn't have been educated are educated now or know how to get the education. Yeah. So they could call out when yeah. they're not being treated uh-huh. fairly by their own people. Exactly. Yeah. And I think what this movement did is like it allows black people to exist in many different magnitudes exactly. and to have all of those magnitudes mm-hmm. demand the respect for black lives. Exactly. You know, exactly. it's only a movement that yes. I think a woman, black woman could do. I think so. I don't, I can't picture, I can't picture we this. We have the empathy for it. Yes. We have yeah. the empathy for it. We have the sight for it mm-hmm. because it's something that like, if you are at the front of the line, mm-hmm. you never have to look at who comes behind you. Exactly. And if you're at a position of a line where you're not at the back, mm-hmm. you don't need to ever look back unless if you choose to. Yes. But if you're at the back of that line, yeah. you have to see everybody in front of you. Exactly. exactly. And I think black women have been positioned at the back of the line at for the back so of the line for so long yeah. in this country. Yeah. We are constantly being overlooked. Exactly. We are constantly being diminished. We are mm-hmm. constantly saying, mm-hmm. know your place and mm-hmm. your time will come. Yeah. Your freedom will come eventually, but after my freedom. Exactly. And this movement saying... It's come now. This movement, the Complahee River Collective, mm-hmm. black, uh, black Feminist Statement is saying... You got it wrong. Yes. In order to have oppression mm-hmm. cease to exist, mm-hmm. you need to empower black women. Absolutely. You yeah. need to highlight black women. Yeah. And you need black women to lead these movements. Absolutely. I think it's time we come from the end of the line to the front, front of the, the line. line. I think we've done the work. Yes. You know, we've earned that right. Yes. We've so, earned that right. Michelle Obama 2020. Yeah, Michelle Obama 2020. And we can end the episode by then. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you guys for tuning in. Yeah. No. Michelle Obama 2020. Michelle Obama 2020. I just see. No. We're going to go still press the tote bag yes. right after this. You can right. find our Etsy. Yes. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Sponsored by. It's exactly. <laughs> um, but no, I do full heartedly believe uh. like you need to have black women mm-hmm. being leaders of this country. Um, we've had white men, mm-hmm. we've had a black man, we got this orange dude in the White House right now. Um, Don Cheetos? Um, <laughs> you can have a white woman in there, but she ain't gonna do it right. She's I'm sorry, Elizabeth people. Warren. Um, you need to have a black woman. Mm-hmm. Kamala Harris, I'm not sure if that's her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know about Kamala. Um, there's, there's probably someone in the ranks 
I'm going to, I'm going to call it. Ooh, Stacey Abrams. No, Ayanna Presley. Ayanna Presley. Ayanna yes. Presley. Stacey, okay. I like Stacey Abrams. She's smart. Oh, well, that's a good ticket. Ayanna yeah. Presley, Stacey Abrams. Mm-hmm. They could duke it out. Who's going to be vice president? Yeah. Who's going to be vice, you know? Yeah. What's what, 2024? Mm-hmm. Also, I AOC too. Okay. So, I call black and brown people. Okay, okay. We could okay. be in this together. Stacey. But you gotta, like, you know, brown people, you gotta recognize. You, know you gotta I mean? go check your peoples exactly. when they're trying to distance themselves from black people because right. I don't get it. Recognize your privilege. Recognize your privilege, but then also recognize your race. Definitely, I think of, like, AOC. I think of mm. Ayanna Presley, mm. of Stacey Abrams. And to me, they are the face of the future. Yeah. Or what the future needs to be going. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, you know, white people can get they're like if they could get their um foot out their asses mm-hmm. and stop hating people exactly just because they're not white yeah you might be better off because y'all fucking are suffering under trump get the fuck out of here we're all shit. suffering under trump even the people that support trump are mm-hmm. suffering under trump they haven't recognized that they're suffering under trump but you know yeah at the end of the day i think the i think the keyword uh, not the keyword the what's the Oh, you don't know Pee Wee's Playhouse. Never mind. But <laughs> you don't know my life, but you're right. <laughs> you know, I think that the, you know, the key word of the day is suffering. Yeah. <laughs> you know, suffering and enlightenment. But yeah, but we're mm-hmm. all suffering on the Trump. Yeah. Yeah, no, Trump is. <laughs> Trump, Trump, Trump. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> I can't even talk about that. That's another cool. day, another day. Yes. Yeah. You don't have enough space on your computer to record all that. No, <laughs> I do not. Yeah. I hate him. Why <laughs> 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 no, don't you tell? Yeah. So, mm. definitely, I want to close this episode out. Yes, let's please do that. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. We, we got like half a bottle of whiskey left to go. Let's go. Another half a bottle, and I can't drink it now because then we really gonna be on this. Like, oh, I'm gonna be singing to y'all, okay? You're like lying on the ground. Yes. So, something new that I'm doing with the podcast, and I want to try to do every week mm-hmm. with each episode, is create a, re- a reading list for you okay. guys. Okay. Okay. Um, and that way, I really want you guys. I really want this podcast to be rooted in enlightenment, mm-hmm. in educating, and educating yourself, mm-hmm. because I really feel like. You could go to a classroom and you can learn, but the most groundbreaking, transformative for, like type of education comes from when you empower yourself to learn for yourself and not for a grade and not for because you're in class, but just because you have an own, your own interest to learn more about your peoples. Mm-hmm. And clearly I'm talking about like black history. Yeah. So um, my reading list this week consists of work from all from black women about black women. Mm-hmm. Well, some of them. Because the first one is not necessarily no. specifically about black women, but you know, it's by blue and by black women. And it talks about black women too. Mm-hmm. So you got Southern Horrors by um, Southern Horrors Lynch Law in all of its phases. And that's by Ida B. Wells. A Taste of Power, a black woman's story by Elaine Brown, um, talks about her time leading the Black Panthers. A black feminist statement by the Compahee River Collective. Too Heavy a Load, Black Women in Defense of Themselves by Deborah Gray White. And that book really highlights um, black women-led movements. Mm. And then When and Where I Enter, which is by Paula J. Giddens, and it's a collection of essays from black women speaking on race and gender. I see. What is that book you mentioned before? Yeah, I just Googled it right quick. Thank you, Google. Mm -hmm. It's At the Dark End of the Street, Black Women, Rape, and Resistance, A New History of the Civil Rights Movement for Rosa Parks to the Rise of Black Power. It's absolutely fascinating. 
It's not written by a black woman, uh-huh. but it's written by Danielle L. McGuire, and it's very comprehensive. I remember reading partway and having to stop because I just got very angry yeah. at the patriarchy with yeah. it. Yeah. So that will be our honorable mention. Yes. <laughs> highly recommend it. You can find all of these books. Um, I'm going to link them below to mm-hmm. where you can buy them. And then I'll also post them on the, face, the Instagram and Facebook pages for mm-hmm. the, um, the podcast. So we want to hear from you. Go to the Instagram page at Black Culture. Um, Black. Ooh, ooh, giving all the wrong Instagram page. Ooh. Black culture underscore black thought, all one word, mm-hmm. um, and leave a comment dealing detailing your argument for this week's question. I am not going to lie. <laughs> I'm a week behind, okay? <laughs> Maybe two weeks behind. I'll give you these books. Yeah. But um, this week, you guys will be able to, if you leave a comment under a post, you will then be entered into winning anyone, just one, because I ain't got it like that, uh. of the books listed above. So please comment. I really want to hear from you. I respond to every comment that's posted on my page because it's not that many, so yeah. it's manageable. You got the time. I got the time. I... But you know what? It's the beginning. It's the beginning. This is going to... Good juju. Good yeah, juju good up juju. in here, okay? I'll go light up my altar when we're done. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and... Please comment. I want to hear from you. I really want this to be a community where my thoughts are not the only thoughts out there. Exactly. And I want to acknowledge other people's thoughts and just Mm -hmm. have a conversation. And Mm -hmm. I want to hold conversations on as many platforms as possible. So I look forward to reading your comments. Um, Next week, I'll be back with you guys. I don't know what we're talking about yet. Next we'll figure week. it out. Figure it out. I'm saying we as if I'm going to be here. Oh, like you go help me. Okay. Yeah, I help Perfect. you. Yay. I'm a new co-host. Yelly <laughs> Johnson. No. <laughs> but no. Yeah. So I will be back with you guys next week. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in. Love you all. Bye. <laughs> I talk like I got fans. <laughs> you got a fan. I got it. Thank you. Woo, woo, all right. Thank you all. <laughs> talk to you all next week. Deuces!